so good to see all you guys here today. That baptism service was just incredible. Incredible. And for the 14 people who took that step of faith, we just cheer you on into greater levels of experiencing God's love and power at work in your life. What a great weekend it was. I think it was like 950 people in the building. Of course, there was baptism, so that brings a lot of visitors. And I just want to let you know that God's working in powerful ways. He's really stirring up the hearts of all of you um, as we lean in together. And even last Sunday morning was special, too. We did this offering declaration. Do you remember that? The offering declaration, asking for God's blessing of increase and abundance on our financial lives and our church and this region. So, you know, being in touch with some of you this week, I've heard back that uh, there were some breakthroughs in some people's lives. And we're building a culture of testimony, and we believe it's important to share what the Lord has done. So um, in a moment here, I'm just going to ask anyone who this applies to just to stand up. You don't have to say your name or anything. We're all going to stand at once at the end. But I want you to look at that list that you'll see in front of you here that, that tells you about some of the ways that maybe God's people have been blessed. Can we take a look at that? So if you've had a raise in pay in the last seven weeks, in a moment, we want you to stand. If you have increased hours at work that just suddenly came to you in the last seven days, we want you to stand. Or a check in the mail, or a check in your bank account, or maybe you got some new work, some new clients, some new contracts, and, or maybe you got um, something else going on. Your investments suddenly went up. Um, or a special gift, or a bonus, or a new job. I talked to someone at 9 a.m. who got a brand new job this week. Uh, some full-time work. Whatever that is, you take a look there, and there may be something else that's not mentioned, but if in the last seven days you had a change up in your financial life, even a little bit, we want you all to stand at once, and we're going to celebrate. Are you ready? Three, two, one, go. Stand up. Now, yeah, keep standing. Turn around. Look at all these people here. Whoa. It's great. Praise God. Okay, go ahead and have a seat. That's just how real the blessing of God is. And we celebrate that. And we know some of you are still waiting for a more breakthrough. Uh, You're still praying and asking God to increase uh, your life as a steward. Keep believing Him for that. And in this series that we're in, we're going to have a couple more declarations over the offering that we're going to do together. Well, God really is inviting us to step into the most amazing event happening on planet Earth. He calls us to be involved in changing our world through our faith and through our generosity and through our serving. So we're in this series called Engage. And we're using that word because I think it's fitting to describe the kind of posture that we want to release in our lives as we think about being involved with God and His kingdom advance on on this earth. And so today we're looking at taking our serving to the next level. Last week it was taking our faith to the next level. Now it's taking our serving. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25. Yeah, that's our main passage. And then we'll eventually get to 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and Ephesians chapter 5. Now I'm just curious if you know that we're living in the last times. Do you guys know that? We're living in the last days. That's what the Bible tells us, and that Jesus can return at any moment, that signs have been fulfilled, and you know, even 2,000 years ago, it was called the last day. So we are really at the end, I think, of, of the end, and it could go on for a while yet, but we don't know if Jesus will even come back in our lifetime. He might. So the issue is, how ready are we for that? And what are we supposed to be doing in light of his return? How are we supposed to, to live? 
because human history can wrap up at any moment. Well, we're in this series here, and I'm asking you to look at Matthew 25. Actually, flip back a page to chapter 24 as Jesus highlights some teaching on the end times. His disciples came to him one day, and they said in verse 3, When will this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And then Jesus, as prophet, gives them some prophetic realities. He says, here's what's going to happen. This is what it's going to look like. And then in verse 36, he says this, But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Verse 42, Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. In other words, just be ready. You know, we've been singing, Lord, we're ready, right? We're ready for you when you move and when you return. And then Jesus gives three teachings here on how to get ready. And some parables pop up into chapter uh, 25. There's the parable of the ten virgins. Five of them had oil in their lamps, five did not. And then I want you to look at verse 14. That's where our passage is today. And I'm going to read it for us, and the words will be up on the screen as well. It's the parable of the bags of gold. Here we go. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received uh, five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. And then these words from the master. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags for whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What a parable. What a punchline from Jesus. What a point that he's making. It kind of raises some questions about us who are living in light of the return of the Messiah, the second coming, because the boss is, quote, away, and here we are in this realm, and we're trying to live our best and do the right things, 
It raises questions about our priorities and our passions and our potential. And it's kind of like taking a moment here with this little teaching to look at the gauges of our serving life. All right, so you guys got cars, right? You've got gauges in your automobiles, right? You got, you got a gauge for fuel. You got a gauge for heat uh, or the radiator indicates something. You got a gauge perhaps for the RPMs. There's different gauges, right? And when you look at them, they kind of tell you how you're motoring along. Well, today's teaching is kind of like a gauge moment. And it's an opportunity for us to look at how we're doing in this area of serving. So the question is, what is our serve potential? Jesus is telling a story about a boss who's gone away. He's gone on a big business trip. And back then, you know, people didn't have airplanes and cars. So when they traveled, they had to really make it count. So when you went on a business trip back then, you really went on a business trip. And you might be gone for, I don't know, six months to a year. Could take you away from home for a long time. And uh, sharp business people would plan in advance their trip, and then they'd have their key people take care of their, their livelihood, their business, while they were gone. That's what sharp business people do. They prepare for their absence. So this wealthy man, he calls together his servants to meet with him. These are the people who normally run his company with him, and he lays out a plan for them to take care of things while he goes away. And uh, he gets them together, and he gives them some bags of gold. So gold is a really important thing in this message here, and I'm just going to put it up here for now because gold is something that we all can relate to. They're given some gold. And uh, actually, in the original language, it's the word talent. And when we think of talents, we think of, you know, can you play the piano or not? Can you read an Excel spreadsheet or not? I can do neither. So, uh, but talent in the original language of the New Testament meant something else. The word talent was a Roman coin, one of the most valuable coins. It was worth 5,000 denarii, which is a day's wage. So you do the math, uh, one talent was worth one and a quarter million dollars today. Two talents were worth... $2.5 million, and five talents were worth over $6 million. That's a lot of money, right? Bags of gold, as the NIV translates it. And uh, so the guy gets his his staff together. He says, I'm going. Uh, I'm going to give you some bags of gold, and you some bags of gold, and I'm going to give you one as well. And he distributes them. And I'm going to go. This is my imagination here working. The the owner says, I'm going to go to Dubai for a, a business conference. Um, I've got some future prospects there, and I need to meet them. And uh, after that, I'm going to go backpacking in Thailand with my wife. We're going to be off-grid. I'm not taking a cell phone. You won't be able to get a hold of me, and I'm not taking a laptop. And I'm not checking any emails for a year. All right? So the boss goes, and they're left with this responsibility, the servants, to take care of things while the boss is away. So let's try to paint this picture of what these people are like here. And I I listened to a message on this uh, from a pastor in Calgary, and this one part I really thought was neat how he he did it, so I'm kind of copying him but using different names. Um, Let's say that the first person, uh, how many bags of gold did they get, by the way? Yeah, five. You got five bags of gold. Can we give that person a name? Can we call him Frankie Five Bags? (laughs) Is that okay? Frankie Five Bags. He got a lot given to him. And then the next person got how many bags of gold? Two. Let's call her Tammy Two Bags. 
she got a double portion. She's, she's doing all right. And then there's one person who got how many? One bag. And let's just call him Wally. All right? Wally, one bag. So these servants have been given some, some opportunity here to do something with the boss's funds. And um, then they're released. They're able to go out and, and make choices about that. It's put into their hands. So what do you think happens while the boss is away? Well, think about your own life for a moment here. What do you do when the boss is away? Um, when I was 16 years of age, um, we had a, a, a crisis in our little community. We're from Manitoba, right by the lake, and uh, uh, the government said the lake was going to flood. And so here's some money. Uh, let's get some sandbagging crews. So at age 16, I got hired at the end of June with my friends to make sandbags on the shore of Lake Winnipeg. It's a great job through the STEP program. And we went out there, and we were trained. Uh, you know, it takes a lot to learn how to, how to make a sandbag, right? This is how the shovel goes in. This is how you tie it, and this is where you put the bag. So we got there. We got trained by the boss. And he says, I actually have to go away for a couple days, but you guys make a lot of sandbags. Here's the quota. You should be doing about this much. Well, the boss went away. We're 16 years of age. Guess what we did? We just chilled out. We laid on the beach, we slept, we made a few sandbags, some of us forgot how, you know, and um, we went out for pizza, you know, we slept in, we had two-hour lunches. Two days later, the supervisor comes back and he looks at the amount of sandbags, he goes, what were you doing? And we said, well, we, we did what we could, and some of us got fired, I won't tell you who, but... <laughs> Some of those workers were sent home never to do sandbagging ever again. Apparently, when the boss is away, you're supposed to keep at it, right? You're supposed to continue to do what you're supposed to do. Well, I think that we need to realize here that when we're talking about um, gold, we're talking about things that God will do for his people. We're talking about investment. And we'll look at how, how real that investment is. But you have an opportunity to do something with the gold. In fact, I'm going to put it down here. There's really two choices for what you can do with the gold. Uh, you can multiply it. That is one option. Or you can hide it. One or the other. Frankie multiplies his bags of gold. Five becomes ten. Tammy takes her two bags of gold. She multiplies them. And they become four. And then there's this guy named Wally. And Wally doesn't really know what to do. He's, he's probably a little bit risk avoidant. Uh, he, he probably is a little bit shy about making decisions. And so he ends up burying his bag of gold, his talent. Now, this is a story about God. This is a story about God and his people. In fact, it's a story about us and God. And the question that we need to ask is, what am I doing with the gold that I've been given? What am I doing with it? And it's all part of asking ourselves, am I ready to take my serve to the next level? My abilities, my, my, my talents and all of that. Can I take my serve to the next level? And we've got to know some things about serving if we're going to do that. We've got to know what's been entrusted to us. So I'm asking you the question, what has God invested into your life? Think about that for a moment. God the creator of the universe, God has invested heavily into 
your life. Into you. I'll put you down here. You're an investment in terms of the kingdom of heaven. And there's things that are placed into your life that are deposited there so that you can increase them and make a difference in this world. God has invested all kinds of things into our lives. Let me just mention some of them. He's, he's given us things like spiritual gifts. All right, so let's just put those down. Gifts. He's given us skills. Some of us have certain abilities in that area. He's given us some talents, and I don't mean by this the coins. I mean the ability to do things well. There's some talented people up here on this platform playing instruments and singing. Wouldn't you agree? Very talented people. We really appreciate them. He's also given to us some experience, and that just gets cumulative in life. And uh, I'm going to put one other word here on the side. He's given us passion. Not everybody has the same passion. And if you have a passion for youth ministry, because you see what God's doing in that life stage, God has probably awakened your heart to it. If you have a passion for kids, same thing. If you have a passion for seniors, same thing. That God just opens your eyes to see, wow, this is what the kingdom is doing in the lives of these people at this point in history. And your passion should lead you to a place of being able to serve there. The point is, God has really invested into your life. He's put all these amazing things inside of you. So let me just put them together here so we see how real they are, and they're all flowing our way. Think about the gifts that you've been given. Recognize them. Um, Name them. Say them out loud. In 1 Corinthians 12, it tells us this, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes Uh, There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, and in everyone, it's the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So to each one, that is to each person who's a believer in the church, in the body of Christ, the Holy Spirit has given gifts. And the gifts, when used, will build up the body, will strengthen the family of God, and will release its full potential. And there's a very real sense that we're not fully alive, we're not fully at our best until everyone is using their gifts in some way. And the Spirit wants to manifest those gifts through your life. Romans chapter 12 paints the picture of that. Take a look at that chapter with me for a moment, down in verse number four. It says, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each one of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. And by the way, giving is a spiritual gift for some people. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And the whole context of these passages on on, uh, spiritual gifts tells us that isolation of the believer doesn't work very well. Uh, That we don't win and the body doesn't win when people are not connected together and Uh, Back this fall when I uh, touched on this theme, I talked about the pieces of Lego. Do you remember that? How we're designed to go click, click, click together. 
that when one piece is missing and not attached, everybody feels it. That's how real it is in the body of Christ, that we're meant to be interlocked together, being able to take our gifts and our skills and our talents and our experience and our passion and use them so that everybody wins. And in light of the fact that the boss is away, uh, and Jesus is at the right hand of the Father right now, even though he's present by his Holy Spirit, in his bodily form, he's at the right hand of the Father. And he has sent the Spirit to help us to get ready for his return. So this is a very real moment of preparation. And every one of us has something that God has invested into our lives. So what is your serve potential? Let me just make it more personal. What is my potential as someone whom God has invested in? What can be released through my life? Did you know that you were given potential? There's no one without potential in this room. Every single one of you has enormous potential in the kingdom. And sometimes we find out, you know, after a while, wow, there's, this person's in the congregation, and they know how to do this. And we're like, wow, we didn't even know that person was there. And so sometimes we are aware of our gifts and our passions and our skills and our experience, and we use them, and sometimes they're kind of laying there a little bit dormant. And they need to be brought to the surface for our sakes and the sake of others. Well, I love this quote here from Erwin McManus. He's one of my favorite authors. This is what he says about, about Jesus and uh, his kingdom and the opportunities in front of us. He says this, You have no greater responsibility than to live the life God created you to live. To live your life at your highest level empowers you to give your life for the greatest good. For you to make your greatest contribution, you must dream, discover, adapt. You must be willing to change. And friends, when we dare to go there and say, God, I am all in. Uh, I want to be engaged in the work of your kingdom. I want to bring all that I have, all my potential to the surface. Amazing things will happen through our lives. You might be here, though, and you might be thinking to yourself, I don't even know what this means. I, I haven't started the journey yet. And I want to say to you, the journey for, for fulfillment and purpose in life can begin today for you. It's found in knowing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And once you believe in him and receive him into your life, you become a brand new creation. And then all the potential, all that God invests in you can come out. And until we step into that life with God, until we say yes to him, and declare him as our Lord and Savior. Until we really engage with him, I think we live lives that are futile and frustrating. And I think there's a lot of unfulfillment for some people. Here's another question we should try to answer. What are you doing with the talents you've been given? Because you've been given some bags of gold. Are you using those bags of gold? Now take a look at verse 15 there. It tells us that the master gave to each servant according to his ability. In other words, he didn't give them too much or not enough. And we shouldn't compare, right? Because some people have certain capacity and God designed them that way and that's awesome. But everybody is given something by the master according to their capacity. Now here's the thing that the Bible teaches us. Your capacity can grow. You can increase it. You can move it from being a, a, a one-bag reality to a two, to a five, to a ten. It's possible for you to increase 
in your impact. And, and that's all part of the law of sowing and reaping. That if we steward well what God has given to us to have, it can turn into more. That's true financially, uh, it's true relationally, and it's true in the area of serving. Our serve can go to the next level. And sometimes there's some reasons why we can't serve and, and be involved, say, as a volunteer in the church. Sometimes there's some legitimate reasons. You might have just had a baby, and life is just all full of <laughs> new moments, and we get that. That's, that's one of those times where you're like, yeah, it's time to lay low for a while. Um, or maybe your job has changed, and you've got a whole new work week and schedule. We get that. We understand that. Or maybe you've just come through a crisis or through surgery, and it's a time of healing in your life, and it's a time to just be ministered to and not to minister. We, we absolutely believe in that. We know that there are those seasons and there's moments. And the, the reality is, though, friends, that for the most part, after those seasons come to an end, we need to return to a serving posture. That until we get back to that, we're sort of living a little bit on the sidelines and, and not experiencing the full blessing of God, even though those seasons are good for us. The norm is that we serve. In Ephesians chapter 5, at verse 15, it says this, Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Well, some people are amazing opportunists in the church, and they do so well. There's so many of you that are serving at your utmost level. You're just laying it all on the line every week, we have people that are involved in serving in like four areas, and we ask them if they're okay, and they're like, I'm fine, and please don't make me stop. They just love it. And as long as they're healthy and their relationships are solid, we bless them, right? But some of us might be holding back a little bit. We might be a little bit hesitant. We're like, well, I'm going to be involved, but you know, I'm not going to really get that involved. And so we, we allow ourselves to be serving at a minimum level. Well, if we're going to take our faith to the next level, it's going to invite us to take our serving to the next level. Life is too short to miss out on God's great moments. And he's putting together some incredible moments for us. Wouldn't you agree? The next year of this church's life is going to be amazing. We had an elders meeting this week and praying into direction for the future. And we're just sensing, wow, what the Lord is going to do through this church in 2018 is amazing. Some of those things will start rolling out in the new year uh, the way God has been speaking to us. I love this quote. Life is short. Be awake for it. Only a coffee company could come up with that one, right? Good on them, and it probably enabled them to sell a lot of coffee. Your life is short. In no time, it's over. The boss is away, but he's coming back. And even if he doesn't come back in your lifetime, you have a fixed amount of years that you have to be fruitful and to be productive. We don't want to miss out on any of those moments that God has given to us. So what have you been doing with the gold that's been given to you? I love this quote from Erwin McManus. We are ultimately responsible for maximizing our potential. We are born with potential, but we're not supposed to die with it. And I know people who save their potential. They're like, well, I'm, I'm just waiting for the right moment. And, you know, a year goes by and they're like, yeah, it's still waiting for that right moment to really get involved in the things of God in the kingdom. And after a while, your whole life goes by, and you've missed it. So many of you live the opposite way. So many of you are dialed in completely to what God wants to do through your life. 
you see the opportunities, you take them, you bring strength where strength is needed, you add to uh, areas of the church and in, in, in life where it's, it's needing your touch. Well, the master comes back and he has a day of accounting. And uh, he brings his staff together. Um, Freddie Five Bags comes up to the master and says, Master, see, you gave me five bags. Um, see what I've done with them. They've turned into five more. Now they're ten. And then the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful, so now you have more blessing. And, and then Tammy Two Bags comes forward. She says, hey, master, uh, you gave me two bags. I've invested them well. I've multiplied them. Here's two more. Here's four. And he says to her, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in these things. You get a blessing as well. And then Wally comes forward. Oh, Wally. Oh, Wally. Wally was just given one bag, one talent. And he's probably heard of the investment stories of Frankie and Tammy. And, uh, but he thinks to himself, perhaps, you know what? I'm not going to get that excited about this time when the boss is away. I'm going to bury my talent, my bag of gold, into the ground. And so he pulls it up in the master's home, and he shakes the dirt off of it, blows it all off, and says, Hey, master, here's your bag of gold, just like it was. And that moment was not an ideal moment for Wally. Look at what happens there. His master replied, verse 26, You wicked, lazy servant, so you knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. You should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Then the master gives those striking, stunning, somewhat harsh words. Take the bag of gold from him. Give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Literally, in the original language, it's the outer darkness. And when you read that in the Bible, it's talking about a place of separation from God. It's talking about hell. And when you really see the kind of words that the master uses here to describe what he means by wicked and lazy, one of the things he means by that is someone who was hesitant. Wally was hesitant. He had been given something on behalf of the master, but instead of taking it and really embracing it and engaging with it, he just buried it. And so he faced the day of reckoning and his rewards were gone and a great amount of shame poured into his life. There's a lot of imagery here about eternal separation from God. I'm sure you can pick that up. And I think one application is, I think there's a lot of people in hell who held back, who just didn't really seize the times that they were in, seize the moment they were in, didn't really seize the opportunities to advance with the kingdom of God, and they regret it forever. God forbid that any of us would miss out on what He wants to do through our lives in this moment. I think that if we're serious about handling what God has given to us, we should check our heart every morning, every day, and say, Lord, I'm fully engaged. Only you. You're number one in my life. And, and by that relationship, Lord, I will make all my decisions. Wally had a warped view of the master. 
He went out and hid his gold in the ground. He did not understand that his master was good. He had a fear-based relationship with his boss. Like so many Christians, right, who believe in God, but they don't really know God very well. And, and so that relationship is always sort of official and religious in tone. But if we learn anything from this parable that Jesus gives us here, I hope it's this. There's a better way to live. There's a better way to live. To take our lives to the next level means receiving what we have from God, all of our potential, and using it for His glory and for His kingdom. And I know there are lots of reasons why people don't do that. I know there are lots of reasons why people in churches hold back and, 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 and don't take their faith to the next level or their generosity or their serving. I get that. Uh, and I think some of those reasons are they've been hurt. They've been hurt badly in other churches. They've been overused, treated with disrespect, um, marginalized. People have done power trips on them. They're like, wow, that's my experience of Christianity. I'm going to hold back. I'm going to go to a church and I'm just going to sit in the back row or, or the front row or whatever row it is and I'm just going to be there and I'm not going to be involved in anything. That's a real sad reality for some people. I think other people hold back because they're cynical and they hang around with cynical people. Here's the thing about relationships. You generally sort of um, live like the people you hang out with in general with some exceptions. If your crowd around you is negative and fault-finding and cynical and always pointing out all the problems, guess what? You're going to get caught up in that. And uh, it's going to dilute your effectiveness as a believer, as someone who's called to serve in the kingdom of God. But when we understand how God has made us, when we see our full potential, when we realize that we've been given some enormous things here by way of gifts and skills and abilities, we have to ask ourselves, why would I hold any of that back? Here's something I want to mention to you that's kind of part of this whole conversation today. I want to talk about the Bema seat. Have you ever heard of the Bema seat? The Bema seat is mentioned in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And uh, think of a Roman ruler sitting on a throne. This is supposed to be a, a throne, all right? Here's the, here's the Roman ruler on the throne. And there's these steps up to the throne. And the idea is that you as a person will come here and um, you have something that needs to be settled at the Bema seat. It's different than the great white throne judgment seat, which is mentioned in the book of Revelation. So for believers, we are spared from judgment. We are not going to face heaven and hell issues on judgment day. That's already been settled by the cross of Jesus We've been rescued and redeemed by his blood. Thank God for that. So we're safe. But the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 10, we must all, as believers, appear before the Bema seat. The Bema seat. So that we can get our rewards. And it tells us in that verse, for the things done in the body, whether good or bad. So think of your life. And think of one day you're going to stand before the Bema seat of Christ. Okay? You're going to stand before him. And you're probably going to be kneeling down. We'll probably all be kneeling. We'll probably do it one at a time. Right? It's going to take a long time, but eternity has no time limits. And we're going to kneel before the Lord, and he's going to reward us for the things done in the body, whether good or bad. All right? It's only about rewards. It's not about punishment. That judgment has 
different connotations is not for the believer. But for you and I, this means that when we stand before God at the Bema seat, he will give us then the rewards that we get to enjoy for all of eternity. Now, that's a long time, right? That's more than a thousand years. It's more than a million years. And the crazy thing is that we in this lifetime determine by our response to the kingdom what kind of rewards we are going to get from the Bema seat. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So I say to myself, that means I've got to make the most of every opportunity. That means I've got to be thinking about the end game. That means I should be making choices in light of God's call upon my life and the gifts that he's given me and the responsibilities that he's put on my shoulders. I want to hear him say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. Wow. So I think for us here in this place, what will that look like in the next year? I mentioned earlier, there's some amazing uh, new horizons that are about to open up in our church in 2018. You, you, you're going to be excited when you hear them. Um, we're going to need all kinds of people on all kinds of teams doing all kinds of things. New batches of leaders, new batches of shepherds, um, new batches of organizers. We're taking everything in the church to the next level. It all starts in 2018. It starts actually now as we lean towards it and pray it through. So I'm asking you, when those moments come your way after January starts, ask the Lord, where can you maximize your potential in and through the kingdom advance in this local church? And I don't know what it'll be, but I know if you hear from him, it's going to be tremendously awesome. And the time for holding back is gone. And I remember in my own life when I was, oh, 23, 24 years old, I was I was actually in First Alliance Church in Calgary, and it was one of the first churches I had really belonged to and become a member at. And um, I was dating this really amazing, beautiful young girl named Marianne, who's now my wife. And she was involved in kids' ministries back then. They actually called it Sunday School. You remember that? Sunday School. Sunday. I didn't get that, but anyways. Um, she was like, why don't you help me out in Sunday school? And I said, no, I, I don't do kids' ministries. And she said, well, why not? And I said, well, I just, I just don't really like little people. And, <laughs> which wasn't good for our dating relationship, but she gave me some time, and um, somehow I got introduced to the Sunday school superintendent. His name was Ben Friesen, this great, godly man, distinguished Hair and beard, wore a suit to churches back in the 80s, right? And, and uh, somebody introduced me to Ben Friesen. And Ben Friesen said, oh, I hear you're interested in Sunday school. I said, well, not really, but maybe. And he said, why don't you come and take a look at what we do? And I said, like when? He said, well, like now. This is like at 1030 on a Sunday. So I got a special permission pass to go and watch the Sunday school in operation. Here I am downstairs in First Alliance Church. They got a massive amount of children. This is the whole elementary end of the building, you know, ages five to twelve, something like that. And we're all crammed in this room. You couldn't have got three more kids in this room. And I'm looking at him. I see Ben there, and I see him at work like a master. He's sitting on his chair, and he says, "Hey, kids, it's birthday celebration Sunday. We want to celebrate that Jesus made you." And come on up here and get a pencil, right? And all the kids are like, I want that pencil. And the pencil said, 
Jesus is Lord or something like that. And, and uh, you know, see a few kids come up. There was their birthday, and, and Ben puts his hand on their shoulders, and he speaks identity into them and the love of the Father into them, and he tells them how important they are. And he said, you guys are just amazing, and we love you. And he prayed a blessing over the kids. Right then I decided I'm serving in kids' ministries. And I signed up right away. And I taught grades one and two with Marianne for two years. Two years. And I wasn't very good at it. But there was a blessing there. And I learned about that foundation of the church, right? You don't do well with the kids and with the youth and the young adults and, and carry it on. You're in trouble. I learned that as a volunteer. And, um, you know, we prayed for our kids, and we loved them for two years of ministry to them. One of them became a children's pastor in Medicine Hat. She's just knocking it out of the park in Medicine Hat. And we had a little role to play in her life that was special. Wow. What are you doing with the gold that's been given to you? You do have gold, and it's up to you. It's up to you to take that gold and invest it. To use it. Don't save it. Use it for the sake of the kingdom. Well, I'm going to invite our worship team to come on up here. I'm going to give you a chance to respond to this. And um, with no undue pressure, I want to invite you to do something here with me. I want you to take out uh, the card that was on your seat here. Just take a look at it. I know you've already seen it. And you know, ultimately, it's up to you whether you want to use this or not. This is just one way that you can respond, and we're asking you to prayerfully consider how you might take your serve to the next level. I want to say this out loud here right away. There's a lot of you, you shouldn't even fill this card out. You're already serving at the max. We get that. And some of you might be in that healing season of life. We get that too. But for others, we just want to let you know, we have room for you. There, there are places you can serve. There are there are roles you can step into. There are things that you can do that will make a huge difference in the way this church runs. And in 2018, when we get ready to go to the next level, it's going to take an army of people to be involved, to lock arms together, to say we're going to be part of the solution. So take a look at this. And if you're not involved in serving, I want to encourage you to fill this out. Fill it out quickly, put your name, your address, sorry, not your address, your name, your email, and your phone number, put it there, and on your way out, we just want you to give it to a host, and we'll put you into our list that we keep going, we'll invite you to serve as openings come up, and there's already many that are open right now, as you can see, and there's even this line at the bottom that says other, guess what, if you have an idea to make us stronger, I want you to put it there. And we'll see if we can get something going that will release your serving in a special way. So I'm just going to give you about 30 more seconds to fill that out. That's all it's going to take. And we're going to pray a blessing over today. And what the Holy Spirit has spoken into our hearts. And we're going to say, we're ready, Lord. We are ready for the kingdom advance in our world, in our times. Good. Okay, let's stand together. In this series, 
we're praying passionately that God will take us to the next level. It's opening up territory for us already. And I sense the blessing of God is coming in increasing measure upon us week by week by week. And we just want to say, Lord, we're ready for that and we're ready for more. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, in the power of your name, we pray that you would unleash serving here in a whole new way. That all the talents and gifts and passion that we have would be fully expressed. We pray for courage, Lord, for those who need to just take that step and be involved. Pray that you give them a sense of your leading and your timing with this. And we pray, Lord, that there would be ministries that will flourish because some people here today have stepped forward. Thank you, God, for the serving that happens here and outside of these walls. Thank you for the men and women who are serving hard in the kingdom advance through their business, through their jobs, through what they do in their neighborhoods. We pray for blessing on that too. So, Lord, as we look to you, we say, do it in us. And do it through us. As we respond to everything you call us to. For the sake of Jesus and his kingdom, we pray. And everyone said, amen. Let it be so. Hey, I want to invite you up. If you have a need, our ministry team will be up here. They would love to pray for you. Don't feel like you have to go home without someone praying for you. Come on up here. Let us care for you and love you. God bless you.